This podcast was made with the support of Listen Lanarkshire or the Listen Lanarkshire podcast feed. Welcome back to the Your Pay Your Way Money podcast with your host Adele. This week I was joined by a special guest to talk about pensions. So let's dive right in and find out what he had to say. Um, So I'm here today with Robbie Hewitt, who is an independent financial advisor with JKFS Independent. So we brought him in today so that we can talk a little bit about pensions um, and find out how they work um, and what happens with them. So welcome, Robbie. Thanks, Adele. Good to be on. Great stuff. So can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your work and and what you do? Yeah, uh, so I've uh, been in uh, finance since... I think it was February 2014, so I started with the Royal Bank. Um, actually started on the desks, counting cash. Uh, I've done various exams and whatnot. Uh, became a mortgage advisor and then took the step further to do my Chartered Insurance Institute exams and become an uh, independent financial advisor. So I moved to JKFS in uh, 2018, uh, or 17 rather. And, uh, and yeah, um, we... we as independent financial advisors, we do everything. It's not just pensions, but um, pensions uh, are, are typically quite a hot topic because it's you know it, it's something that's going to provide you with an income for the rest of your life. It's normally a, the biggest sort of pot of money that you'll have invested throughout your life, unless you're very mm-hmm. fortunate. So um, that is what most people tend to be interested in, certainly towards the sort of end of their working life is is making sure their pensions are are in a good place and and to be honest the ones that are always in a good place are the ones that start pretty early uh you know and and can understand what they need to do well before they retire so um yes uh, very important to have your pension uh sorted uh as much as it can be quite a boring thing to (laughs) talk about so what is a pension and why should we have one so we're saying it's it's for old it's for when we retire and for when we're a bit older but just what what is a pension why is that a special um city term um, rather than just savings say yeah yeah no it's it's a good question probably the the term a lot of the time just gonna for these people that don't understand it just confuses them but a pension is is effectively just a savings plan um but it has certain tax advantages to it uh and uh, namely that if you put some money into a pension it will get boosted by the government in the form of tax relief uh and any money that you have in that pension when it's invested you won't pay tax on it if it grows in value so that kind of broadly is what a pension is but you can think of it as just like a bank account a pot of money um but it has these certain special terms attached to it so you know you might often hear a pension referred to as a wrapper but that's effectively just financial jargon for a savings account that has tax advantages um mm-hmm. and what what probably the, the common it's not a misconception but most people think is that a pension itself is an investment um but it's not it's just that pot where your money sits and then within that pot you get to invest the money uh and depending on the type of pension pension you have you can invest it in uh, a number of different ways um so just as important as putting money into the pension is how it's invested especially if you're going to be doing it for 
the the longer term. But yeah, it's a very very important uh, vehicle for saving for retirement. It it's easy to think that that's 30, 40 years away. I'll deal with that when I'm yeah. you know forty fifty. Um, and you know if you're lucky enough and depending on the type of job you have, you can sometimes get away with that. But in but the, for most in people, the, I imagine not. Yeah, in the main. The sooner you start, the better, and the sooner you start, the less. Conversely, you need, you feel you need to put in. You know, if you start when you're twenty compared to forty, you could probably put half the amount away a month and still be in right. the same position. So and you so can it can be more affordable to start early. So the sooner the better is it? The definitely the advice there. Yes, definitely. Right. Do you get different types um, of pensions, Robbie? Do you get different mm-hmm. depending on? If you're working or because the one that we would always know about is the government one, the state pension that everybody's grannies gets. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that that works a little bit differently um, than I'd imagine the types of pensions that you're working with and dealing with for people. Yeah, absolutely. And state pensions are a, a very important part of your retirement planning. But if you're employed and you work for 35 plus years, you'll get a full state pension, which is uh which isn't something you need to worry about paying for. It'll be covered by your national insurance. So state pension, yes, is probably the one everybody thinks about and they know they're going to get that when they're, well, it, it, for the most people listening to this podcast, it'll be 68 when you get your state pension. So well on uh, Yeah, well on. And, and not to burst any bubbles, but it'll probably be up to 70 by the time you do retire because they've, they've just not put it in legislation yet. So, uh, so really important to have other pensions as well because obviously if you want to go before 70, you need a source of income so um broadly the two main types of pensions are you break them down into money purchase pensions and defined benefit pensions so a money purchase pension is kind of like what we we talked about at the top of the podcast there it's just a pot that you put money into benefits from these tax advantages you invest it how you want and then then when you come to retire you can use that pot to either going to just draw down an income each month or you can use that pot to to buy what we call an annuity which is just a an annual income for life so you give that money to an insurer and they'll give you x amount uh, per year for life so that's how a money purchase pension works and that's again to be honest for the majority of people listening to this podcast that's what you'll be relying on in retirement um defined benefit pensions are Slightly different in that you pay, you know, a certain amount a month into the pension. Um, but rather than it going into a pot and that pot having your name on it, what you end up doing is you end up buying an annual pension. And that pension is normally linked to your salary. So defined benefit, you might have also heard of that, mm-hmm. you know, talked about as final salary, which uh, was up until maybe sort of 10 years ago, the, the most common type of pension. But uh, today th- there's very few of them that are, are on an active job and get workplace pension, it's unlikely to be defined benefit anymore. So, but uh, those sort of pensions will be, the majority of the, the pension you, you build up before you retire will be through your work because it's now an obligation that employers have to provide a workplace pension. Um, and it can be an, attract, an attractive uh sort of pull for for a job you know if you're comparing different jobs that you want to do it's important to look at what the pension offering is because mm-hmm. some employers will will give better offering than others um so 
the kind of the standard is that if you pay in five percent of your salary, the employer has to pay in three, but they don't okay. have to pay in any more than that, even if you paid ten percent. Um, okay. but some, some well employers and intent it tends to be bigger employers, you know, bigger companies, you know, you pay in ten, they'll pay in ten. So that that can make a big difference in the long run, uh, even if maybe the salary is less or uh, the works, you know, more that that's still part of the value of uh, mm -hmm. you know, working somewhere. So that's certainly something I would I would advise that, you know, if people are looking to get an employment, they consider the consider different that pension as a, offering. A, an extra benefit there as well. Um, so I was exactly. going to ask, when should we start paying into a pension? But we've said that as soon as possible when we start working. And you've also uh -huh. mentioned there that um, the auto-enrolment on pensions so that now um, when someone starts a job, they're automatically put into a pension plan. Um, so that must be yeah. um, making a big difference, particularly for young workers who maybe wouldn't have thought about going into it and maybe would have seen their pension contributions as being taken away from their money rather than a benefit later when when they're older and um, so things are changing for the better then when it comes to thinking about saving for a retirement yeah absolutely and and to be honest that the way that they've done that it probably leads into the one tip i would give to people and that is your very first job as soon as you're employed put money in a pension because you'll then get used to what you're getting net after your pension payments uh, the hardest thing to do is if you start working, you're not paying into a pension, then you decide you might have to, and you decide, oh, I'm going to put £100 a month away, and then you realise that that leaves you short £100 a month of what you're used to receiving. So you're better getting used to not having that from the get-go, because then you won't really notice the difference. And, and yeah, this auto-enrolment effectively does that. You know, if it's uh, you will automatically be putting 5% away unless you make a conscious decision to opt out of that um and you know that's then going to be at least eight percent of your salary is is going into pensions uh but ideally you want to be paying more so in an ideal world and a good rule of thumb and and not everybody does this but you know again this is i guess a podcast to try and get everybody to do the right thing is whatever age you start earning and therefore whatever age you should start paying into pensions you should pay that as a percentage into your pension so yeah. if you're 21 and you put 21 percent of your wage in the pensions you will definitely have a very good pension when it comes to retirement right that's a good amount so 21 21 percent 25 25 percent so you can see the older you, you go you need to put more in in order to get a good pension so right. starting early means you're putting less of your wage a, away a lesser percentage away yep lesser percentage away you get used to doing it and you know, 21% seems like a lot, but again, if you're looking at an employer and if you put in 10, they put in 10, you know, you're pretty much there. Yep, so, so you're taking into consideration the fact that your employer's contribution towards it, so if they were putting in exactly, 5%, yeah. you would be putting in 16% rather than the full the full 21 kind of thing. Exactly. So that that's the way to think about it. Uh, and obviously that's in an ideal world, but if you do that for your first employment and you get used to the, you know, what your net pay is, 
yeah. after that then it's it's much hard it's much easier and is it quite is it quite easy Robbie if you're in a, a workplace pension is it quite easy to change the percentage would it just be through your your payroll department at work that you would change that is it complicated to up your percentage that you're paying into your pension no it's not it's not complicated normally I mean these days it's all online so you should normally have a portal ah, where right. you can go on and say update you know, it. I want to put x amount in or I want to put x percentage in and that would just start coming off. Brilliant. Yeah. So it's pretty easy for people if they want to do that. Um, yeah. The one question that I have heard people saying is, oh, when, when we're putting money into pensions and pensions are invested, the amount can drop um, mm -hmm. as well as go up. And obviously we, we've seen a bit of that over the last year, um, investments dropping. So some people mm -hmm. would say, would they not be better putting their money into a savings account and saving every month and um, I can see the disadvantages of that because I would be tempted to dip into it where you can't dip into your pension but what would you mm -hmm. say to people who say would I be better putting my money in a savings account rather than an investment that might drop maybe people that are a bit risk adverse yeah no absolutely so and I can understand the, the thinking behind that and I guess you know inherently as humans we're cautious and we you know we maybe prefer to know what we've got as opposed to you know taking an element of risk by investing it and not knowing what that will be worth in the future um i guess the the first point on that is that what's often overlooked when thinking about pensions and retirement is that inflation will have a massive impact on what your money's worth in 30 40 years so if by inflation we talk about you know each year the government comes out and says the price of a basket of shoppings went up three percent put those three percent back to back over 30 years you know a basket of shopping that was 50 pound now is 200 pounds when you come and retire in the future so yep. Uh, yep so if you have your money in a savings account in the main you're not going to get enough interest to cover the cost of rising inflation most savings accounts just now you'd be lucky if you get oh, half a percent interest. Like, oh yeah yeah whereas inflation is running at over two percent at the moment so you can see effectively as much as your money is sitting and it's the same value as it was when you put it in plus the extra little bit of interest in real terms you're actually losing money losing money because it's not working it's not, for you it's not worth as much as it was when you first put it in uh so that's the main thing whereas if you have your funds invested even if you invest on a on a very low risk profile you will get better returns than you would if you just invested in cash um so so that's the first point the second point is you know comparing a pension a savings account a pension is just a much more efficient saving account because if you put 100 pound into savings you've got 100 pounds if you put 100 pounds into a pension the government gives you an extra 25 so you've got 125 pounds yeah now you could put all your money in a pension and just leave it in cash so it would still be better than than a cash savings account but because a pension is a long-term investment and because you won't be able to touch that money until you're 57 for most people listening to this podcast um you want it invested uh and not only that but you can you can cope with the ups and downs of an investment if you're not going to be able to touch that money for you know 30 plus years you actually even though you might think you're very cautious and you risk averse the length of time you have between now and retirement means that you should be more risky because in the long right. run the more risk we talk about that you take 
Um, and that really just translates into the more money that you have invested in stocks and shares instead of in you know, bonds, uh, etc. Um, that that will, in the long run, mean you are better off than if you invest it in a safe way and you, right. you get min minimal returns. So, so the younger um, we are, the riskier we want to be in terms of our pension. We can take a little bit more risk because we've got longer for it to ride itself out kind of thing is that what we're saying there exactly but longer for it to ride itself out you can't touch the money anyway and that's most of the time where people fall down if their money does drop in value they decide oh i want to take it out because you know i don't want it to fall anymore but if you can't touch it you can't do that and in the main when that happens if you just let it run its course it will come back up again uh, and the continue end. to grow and that's obviously if we were to look at examples from you know like say the last 15 months from from March last year when we went into lockdown to now, you know, if you had £10,000 in March last year, it probably dropped to maybe 8000 7000 at one point, but it will now be up at 11000 uh, So that's how quickly when something even as big as, as COVID has happened, that's how quickly it can, can bounce back for people. Absolutely, yeah. Brilliant. You mentioned the uh, the age fifty seven. Is that the the mm. the age the earliest that you can take a workplace or a pension that is not off the government? Is that the the minimum age that you need to be? That's right. Yeah, it just changed. It was fifty five, but um, unless you were forty nine before April this year, it has changed to fifty seven. So uh, they tend to try and keep it within ten years of the state pension age. That's ah, that's right. a good guide. So, so effect is up. Uh, We'll probably got to stay at some point. Us a little uh, bit. We'll be taking us yeah. a little bit later then. Uh, yeah, exactly. Day. So I think realistically, you can probably expect it to be about 60 by the time right. you come to retire. Brilliant. But at the moment, it's 57. So yeah, that's you've got money in, money purchase pension or workplace pension that you built up over the years. That's the point that you can start accessing it, but you're, you're not obliged to, and you don't you have keep to. Keep it going. And you don't lose any of the perks of a pension if you don't touch it. So, um, you know, if you're going to work past that, and you know, not if most people won't retire as early as they possibly can. Most people have to have to keep working um, to build up, you know, more savings. And and normally in the sort of later years of your life, when you've maybe paid your mortgage off and your salary is a bit bigger, you you put more into your pension anyway. So, those last kind of five years of retirement of non-retirement, sorry, can can add quite a lot to your Make all the difference. Mm -hmm. Give you better how can people how can people check, Robbie, if their pension is going up or down? Is it is it quite easy to keep track? Do we want to keep track or do we just what, what should we be doing in terms of keeping an eye on it? Do we want someone like you to keep an eye on it for us? Is that the best way to, to let it go? Yeah, no. And the, the best point you made there is do we want to keep track of it? Uh, and I would say probably not, because it's inconsequential if you are 20 years away from your retirement age um what most I think most people don't make the mistake but what happens is when you have a workplace pension you'll go on a default fund and most of the time that default fund is just a balanced uh fund but balanced just simply means sort of middle of the road in terms of risk um like i say if you're young and you've got a long time to retirement you want to be on the upper end of that risk seal so first thing is that what you should that's what you should make sure that the fund you're invested in is right in terms of your age your time of retirement what your attitude to risk is um and then you should uh you know in theory if that fund continue to do well 
put the money in there, leave it alone, don't look at it until you're near retirement. Um, what financial advisors can provide, such as myself, is we can continue to make sure that the fund that you're in is the better performing fund of the options that you have within your pension. So in a workplace pension, you'll have, uh, you know, a typical sort of range of funds, maybe about 20 funds that you can pick. Uh, and there's various different levels of risk within those funds. And it's, you know, it's important that you pick the right one that will give you the best returns long term. So ideally, you, sh you should have a professional such as ourselves looking after it, telling you what fund to put it in. And every once once a year, we'll give you an update on the, the value. And, or even if you don't want that, we can, um, we'll just make sure it ticks along the background uh, and is, uh, is invested the right way. So, yeah, I would, I would advise not looking at it every day even though these apps and these online portals can allow you to do it. Um, you know, most prevention providers will have an app now where you can you can track it, but you'll probably end up worrying over nothing if you keep yeah. checking it. So just leave it and let it do its thing then. Leave it and let it do its thing, yeah. Brilliant. Now, just um, thinking back, that's just one one last question that I've got that, that I wanted to ask was, mm -hmm. other than paying the contributions in through my workplace, does it cost me anything else to have a pension? Is that any other um, fees or anything that I would need to think about? Yeah, so there, there will be a fee um, from the pension provider in some form or another. So the majority of workplace pensions, the the employer will go to the pension provider and they'll they'll get a lower rate than you would pay as, you know, a, a punter off the street because they're saying, well, we've got X number of employees they're all going to be paying 8%, so can you give us a deal? So most workplace pensions just have one charge, usually, and it's just a case of, you know, it can range from anywhere between, I mean, as low as 0.1% up to maybe 1.5%. Um, I would say these days, the modern schemes are not much more than half a percent, if that. So, and like I say, from that half a percent, you know, that's their charge to effectively do the admin and, you know, make sure your pot of money is assigned to your name and, uh, and whatnot. And then you will have a range of funds that you can you can pick from within that pension plan. And those funds are the investments. So that's, you know, is it, like I say, a balanced investment or a risky investment? Um, the There are some pensions, typically personal pensions that, you know, aren't workplace pensions that are maybe pensions you might want to set up separately if you want to save more into pensions or if you're self-employed and you don't have a workplace pension and they they'll normally follow a different structure where there's a charge for the the actual pension itself and then there's a separate charge for the funds that you invest in within it so they can be more expensive if you add those charges together um but what you get for that is you get normally access to more investments and more investment choice which can lead to you know the ability to get better growth and better performance so brilliant um, those those would be the main charges and obviously if you ever took financial advice your financial advisor will typically take an annual charge as well to cover the, cover the cost of the, the advice and managing the pension yeah great um and i think that's everything that i wanted to ask the sort of questions that i had thought of is there anything else that's really important that that a young person would need to know about the pension that we maybe haven't spoke about or anything else that, that, that you think is important to add here? Um, no, I think it's just to echo that the, the, the number one thing I would advise is get used to paying 
into a pension. Get used to the amount that you'll have after you've paid into your pension. And then you can the, you can sort of work off of that basis and you know whatever your wage is after you've paid a pension. So you sort of forget about it. And, you know, the difference it can make starting five years earlier, paying a little bit extra, and by the time you add growth, if it's invested, by the time you add the tax relief, you know, over 30 years, that can add up to a significant sum. So start early or start as soon as you get a job and get used to paying into a pension uh, and make sure that it's invested in a, you know, in a riskier way than the, maybe the default fund would have you invested because if you're young enough, you can cope with that and you will, you will be better off in the long run. That's brilliant. That's absolutely great. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and, and hopefully um, we can start to see more young people understanding what their pension is and how it works for them in the future. Yeah, that's the, that's the end goal, definitely. So thanks for having me on. So that was a bit longer than we normally have our podcast, but I felt it was really, really important that all of the points were left in and I didn't take away too much of what Robbie had said. If you have any questions, you can um, send them here on onto the podcast or you can find us through social media and send them to us. And join us again for our next episode. This podcast was made with the support of Listen Lanarkshire or the Listen Lanarkshire podcast feed. If you're over 16, you'll have received your national insurance number. Maybe a card to go with that. I don't know if you still get them. You certainly did when I was younger. Um, but do you know what it actually is? Do you know why you're paying national insurance if you are paying it at the moment? Um, so you pay national insurance contributions to build up your entitlement to certain benefits that you might get throughout your life, um, including your, your state pension. And if you listen to our pension podcast, you would have heard a bit about um, your contributions going towards your state pension when you when you retire. If we ever get to retire, looking at the, the pension age going up and up and up, it might be a long way away for some, from, for some of us. It might be a long way away for some of us. So you have to pay national insurance if you are over 16, earning over £166 a week in employment, or you're self-employed and making a profit of over £6,365 a year. If you're employed, you pay what's called Class 1 national insurance contributions. So if you're earning between £166 a week, and up to £962 a week, you pay 12% of the amount you earn between those figures. And if you earn more than £962 a week, you also pay 2% on anything over £962. You pay a lower rate if you are a member of your employer's contracted out pension scheme. Delete that bit. If you're self-employed, you pay. If you're self-employed, you pay Class Two and Class Four national insurance contributions. So Class Two are paid at a flat rate of three pounds a week. So if you're working for fifty-two weeks of the year, times it by three, and you will also add that Class Four, and they're paid all as a percentage of your annual taxable profit. So you pay nine percent on profits between eight thousand six hundred and thirty-two and fifty grand and a further 2% on any profits if you make more than 50 grand. So the more you make, you pay a little bit more, but the percentage is actually less. So if you expect to 
make profits of less than £6,365, you might not have to pay the Class 2 national insurance contributions. So one of the deductions that will come off your payslip is tax. If you are employed, you pay it through a system called Pay-as-you-earn or P-A-Y-E. I'm sure you've probably heard that. You might not have understood what it means. Um, it means that it's a way to collect income tax and national insurance contributions without you having to worry about it. So your employer deducts these contributions from your, your wages or your salary, along with anything else that's coming off, and they pay it across to HMRC so you don't need to worry about it. And they pay it across to HMRC so you don't need to worry about it. So you pay it across the full year, your tax, um, every single time you're paid, instead of it just being one lump sum at the end. Um, at the end of the year, you'll get a P60 and it tells you the total amounts paid by you, deducted from you, um, a bit like a receipt. And you can start to look at that and sometimes we've maybe paid too much if we've changed jobs or had emergency tax codes and we'll sometimes get a wee amount back. You shouldn't really be in a situation where you've not paid enough if it's being collected through PAYE. So you'll notice if you've had your first pay slip that there are things that are taken off of the amount that we've earned. And just as a brief explanation, the money that's taken off in terms of tax and national insurance goes to the government. It's what the government used to pay for benefits and different things um, throughout the country. It's a common misconception that national insurance pays exclusively for our pensions and health. And the truth is that it all goes into the same pot for government expenditure. And we essentially get our taxes back in the form of government spending. So when the government says that they're giving you something for free, um, they're giving you this for free, they're giving out free bus passes up in Scotland when we get free prescriptions, if you're getting free dental care, you're actually paying for it through your taxes or someone's paying for it through their taxes and their national insurance. It covers lots more things as well, so um, spending when they spend on the environment, um, running the government, defence, education, all the sort of social security benefits, it's all in there. Um, and that's, that's where your money goes to. 